I realize we have a lot out tonight, but I'm glad that you're here with us, and I'm glad that you've come to worship God and study with us. Tonight's lesson is going to sort of continue a thought that we began last week, uh, last Sunday night. Last week we talked about what a Christian should know, and how we should know that God is real, how we should know what we need to do to obey Him. And we should know what our reward is at the end of this life. We should know about heaven and that it awaits us. And those are some of the things that a Christian should know. Tonight, we're going to talk about what a Christian can't live without. And some of these are similar in some ways, but these are different things as well. And there are certain things in life, in the life that we live here on this earth, that we cannot live without if we are going to be Christians and if we are going to serve God. Living, or at least trying to live, without these things in our lives leaves our spiritual condition in jeopardy. Hence their importance, and hence our study tonight. There are three things that a Christian cannot live without. One is faith. We talked a little bit about faith last week. We're going to look a little further into faith tonight. But a Christian cannot live without faith. A Christian also cannot live without Christ. We need Christ in order to be a Christian, in order to be Christ-like as we are endeavoring to do as Christians. We need Christ. And we also need salvation. And there are other things that go along with these, that these provide, that we also cannot live without. But these are the sole things that we as Christians cannot live without. Since we cannot live without them, it is important for us to know what they are and what they do. We need to know their definitions. And we need to know how to obtain them, how to possess them, and how to use them. Those things help us as Christians to be what we are endeavoring to be before God. So we start with faith. A Christian cannot live without faith. We sang the song, Living by Faith, and certainly that's what we desire to do. Looking at the minor prophets and looking at Habakkuk, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by, by his faith. Romans 1 and verses 16 and 17 says very similar. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, and again going back to what we just read in Habakkuk 2, 4, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If we are to be righteous before God, that means that we live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 speaks of us walking by faith and not by sight. It's very easy for us to live this life and look at it from the standpoint of what we are seeing in the here and now. It's much harder as a Christian to truly walk by faith. But certainly we cannot live without faith. We also have to understand what faith is. If we are going to live by faith, if we are going to be righteous, if we are going to be the just that live by faith, we have to understand what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us one of the best definitions of faith that comes to my mind. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We cannot see God. We cannot see His Son. But by faith we know that God exists. By faith we trust in His promises Again, walking by faith and not by sight. It's by faith that we understand His creation. And as Christians, we have a blessing that we can look around us and we can see nature. As a matter of fact, when we were driving in this morning, Marissa commented about the beauty of the snow and, and seeing it along the creek side and, and how gorgeous it was. You know, we as Christians can know that God created such beauty. But we cannot understand those things without faith. Because God is not visible to us. But we understand that the things that we see were made by Him who is not seen. Through faith we have knowledge of God and the things that He has done. But how does faith come to us? How do we come to understand what faith is? How do we know how to have faith? We have to look to the Word of God. I want to notice a few verses in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 beginning with verse 14 and reading through verse 17. It says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We come to know what faith is by someone teaching us. Or by studying in scriptures exactly what is said. And coming to an understanding of what is said. It's only by faith that we believe what is said to be true. It's by faith that we, we have these things before us. And, and that's the only proof that we need as Christians that these things are so. Because we have faith. The faith has to come from somewhere. And it comes from an understanding of God's Word. Faith leads to certain things as well. You see, faith leads us to obedience. Going back to our scripture reading for this evening. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20 and reading through chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. We talked this morning in our Bible class about loving our brothers and our sisters and, and how we treat them. In chapter 5 verse 1 it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves Him who begot also loves Him who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is the victory. Who is He who overcomes the world? But He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, if we by faith believe in God, that means that we serve Him. And so faith, in that sense, leads us to obedience. It leads us to obedience of the plan of salvation. Confession of that faith. Repentance of sins and baptism for the remission of sin. Those things are important. We also must understand when it comes to faith that faith without obedience 
is pretty well worthless. It is dead. Notice what is said in James chapter 2, verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There are many people that teach a doctrine of faith-only salvation. We don't find that in Scripture. What we do find is that works are included. Not works of merit. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation by any means. But we are required to do works of obedience. Coming to Christ requires work on our part. It requires effort. It requires something from us. The easy way is belief only. But it's much harder when we look at scriptures. It's something that we have to really work at to be what God wants us to be. Faith leading to obedience also leads us to salvation. And we're going to look briefly at salvation, but we're going to come back to it toward the end of our lesson tonight. But salvation leads us to a heavenly reward, as we find in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Faith leading us to obedience leads us to Salvation given by God. Faith is worth more than anything that we could imagine on this earth. When we look at all the things that matter to us so much, faith is worth more than any material possession that we may have. Continue on in 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at verses 6 through 9. And it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Faith is worth more 
than anything that we could ever imagine on this earth. And as long as we hold to that faith, we can have hope of what is to come. We cannot live without faith. We also cannot live without Christ. It's impossible to be a faithful Christian without Christ in your life. Notice Paul's perception of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. In this letter he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Paul understood that he was setting an example. That he was bringing souls to Christ that that God was using him to proclaim a message, even his very life, even his very existence in Christ was an example to others. Shown through him first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering, as we read in verse 16, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. But in his view of his own ability to reach the laws and be used as an example, he gives Christ the credit for coming for the purpose of saving sinners. Jesus came to this earth. He went through all the things that he did. He endured the cross and the punishment on it to save my soul, to save yours. Because He loved us. Such great love that Jesus had. I don't believe that we can understand love until we come to some knowledge of the love that Jesus had for us. We also understand that Jesus came to do His Father's will. He didn't come... To serve himself. He came to serve his father. Hebrews 10 verses 5 through 7. Therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said behold I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus loves us. 
Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Very simple song, but a very meaningful message. Jesus loves me. He loves me so much that He died on the cross to suffer in my place. Romans 5 verses 6 through 11 For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. See, that's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We rejoice through Christ. Because we have salvation through Him. It is only by His love that we come to know what it's like to be saved. Again, understanding to some degree the love of Christ, we must understand that we cannot live as Christians without His love and without His sacrifice. We cannot truly understand love until we realize Jesus' love for us. So we cannot live without Christ. But as Christians we also cannot live without salvation. Jesus died to offer mankind salvation. 
It is through salvation that we are offered hope. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 8 through 10 But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. You see, without Christ, there is no hope. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called in circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. That at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. And without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Without Christ, I would still be a stranger. I would still be far off. I would still be without hope. But because He gave His life for me, I have hope. Those remaining in a lost condition face, unfortunately, the punishment of hell. I do believe that to be a real place. I believe we're taught of that in Scripture. One cannot live spiritually without salvation. Physically, yes. Spiritually, no. Because if we live without salvation, we live facing that punishment that awaits those who are outside of Christ. So one cannot live spiritually without salvation. We cannot live without Christ. We cannot live without faith in Him. Life without faith, Christ, and salvation means no hope. There's nothing better that awaits us. No eternity. No reward. Life without these things means life without God. And even those that know of God, some refuse Him. How sad to live without God and life. I can't imagine what that's like. Life without these things is really no life at all, in my opinion. As true living is found in God's service and blessing and coming to know those things. We cannot live without them. 
we as Christians need these things for our existence. There's a song that we sang a couple of weeks ago. And one of the lines in it says, Why would one live without Jesus? And I wonder, why would one live without Christ? Why would you want to live without God in your life? There's so many benefits that we find in Scripture to serving God. doesn't mean it's an easy road by any means. But it's well worth it in the end. But on the contrary, what are the benefits of living without Christ? What are the benefits of living without God and faith and salvation? Faith is the beginning. We begin by belief. And that leads us to obedience. Obedience, as we mentioned before, requires certain things of us. And it requires us to repent of our sins, to turn away from the life that we have been living. It requires us to confess our faith in God. That we believe in His Son, that His Son came to die for us. And it requires baptism. And it's only through those things that we have full remission of our sins. That those things are, are taken from us that we're not in debt to them any longer. Although we certainly owe a debt to Christ. Obedience continues in living a faithful life of service to God. Becoming a Christian allows us to live in Christ who offers salvation in the first place. And what a blessing to live in Christ. Living outside of faithful Christianity leaves us lost and wandering in the darkness of the world. Without hope. I believe that we are all Christians here tonight. I believe that we've all obeyed the plan of salvation. But maybe it is that you need to come in repentance. You need to come to rededicate your life to Him. To ask for forgiveness for something you've done or to simply ask for prayer. And certainly the invitation is always open. We're going to give you an opportunity. If you are subject to the invitation, whatever the case may be, whatever the reason may be, don't walk away from this building tonight outside of Christ. When you can live in Christ, and you can have hope, and you can know God. If you need to come, we give you the opportunity as together we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.